Okay, in just a minute, we're going to be in the book of Colossians. So if you have your Bible, turn with me, please, to Colossians. And we're going to be in chapter number 2 of the book of Colossians. My voice is feeling a little bit poorly tonight, and so I apologize if it's a little more grovelly. Um, I will, I will probably, thank you, Britt. Um, she just put the water up there for me to be able to get to in just a minute. Um, so I may have to be a tad more monotone. At least I will attempt it. Um, it's not my natural tendency. And so um, I apologize in advance. So if you start feeling sleepy because of my monotone voice, just stand up and run around the auditorium a couple times, and it probably will help. So the book of Colossians, like many of the books in the New Testament, are actually, um, it's God-inspired, but God-inspired a person, a man, one of the apostles, and they wrote these letters to different churches. The apostle Paul was one of the men the Lord used in a very special way, um, giving him instruction and understanding, uh, which which is so great, connecting the Old Testament truths of what was obvious in the law to the New Testament um, that came through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and how all of that worked with the Jews and with the Gentiles now all being able to come to God through faith in Christ and teaching and explaining things that especially for those who had grown up with uh, Jehovah God being only the God of the Jews and their religion... Now, all of a sudden, we have almost this, forgive the term, this hybrid of here we have the Jewish religion and now Christ who claimed to be the Messiah of the Jews who comes and Christ explains a lot of things about the Jews' misunderstanding about God and his intent. And then the Lord Jesus meets with Paul. The Lord Jesus has risen, but he meets with the Apostle Paul when he calls him and he instructs him and explains to him. And the Apostle Paul was used greatly by God to spread the news of the all are welcome. That it does not matter what tribe, what what tongue, where you started, what, what your background is, all those who will come by faith in Christ can have access to God the Father. So God used the Apostle Paul, not just to explain that truth, but also to explain uh, everything that comes as a result of that. That is how your life ought to look when you come to faith in Christ. Because now you have Gentiles who are coming out of places and lands and religions that had their own system of thinking. So the question became, do we then switch over to Judaism and add Christ to it? Or is this something totally new? So God used Paul to write and answer a lot of questions, well worth your reading, to spend time looking at the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to different churches. Now, many times when Paul wrote these letters to different churches, he would both instruct them regarding that which we've just talked about, salvation by grace, that is God's gift through faith in Christ, uh, as well as Paul would also deal with specific issues in the churches to which he was writing. And it was not unusual for Paul to use a confrontational method of dealing with issues. Think of, for those of you who have read the New Testament at all, think of what Paul wrote to the church at Corinth when he instructed them about what their faith was supposed to look like 
now that they're in Christ. And in part of the first letter that he writes to the church of Corinth, the Apostle Paul says, in essence, this. Hey, there are things going on in your church right now, sins that aren't even named among the Gentiles who don't know Christ. And he says, in essence, you need to fix it, you need to deal with it, or else I'm going to come. And when I come, I'm not going to come with a smile on my face, I'm going to come with a rod in my hand. And the Apostle Paul did not shy away from confronting. Now, he did it in love, and you can see that in his writings, but he did it in a strong manner. Quick aside, just real quickly. Don't disdain, don't push away from someone who loves God and loves you enough to come and confront. Now, God's given you a pastor, and I will tell you, uh, being a pastor has a lot of responsibility in it just from the standpoint of ah, the organization of the church and everything that has to happen, um, preaching sermons um, every week and all of that. But one of the responsibilities for a pastor especially, though it transfers also to anyone who preaches the gospel and anybody who's a lover of God and a lover of people, is that it is the pastor's responsibility, the Bible says, to watch for your soul. Meaning, he is supposed to be aware of where you are spiritually to the degree that when he, is, when he sees something, he's supposed to confront you about it. In love, he's supposed to come. Okay, now let me ask you, any of you want to sign up for that job? Now, you may think to yourself, I'd love to tell people off, but that's not what this is about. This is a responsibility before God in service to you and your relationship to the Lord. That's a heavy, that's, that's a heavy, this, this is heavy. So that it would, be a, it would be a shame, it would be a shame for to have on top of the burden that God has given him to have an attitude held by the people to whom he comes, he loves enough to come and confront, that, that pushes away or that rises up in anger or sticks the dukes up or always has a wall of defense that, that won't let him do what it is that God has called him to do. It's what the Apostle Paul did in the letters that he wrote. Now, he oftentimes did that throughout the letters. However, in the letter that we're about to read in the book of Colossians, Paul doesn't do it. In fact, if you read through the letter to the church that was in the city of Colossae, the apostle Paul, oh, it, it's, a, it's a very encouraging letter of, hey, hey, you guys are doing really well. You're, you're doing well. And he says, in essence, in this, it's almost like Paul, as a coach, comes alongside this church and he puts his arm around him and he says, you're doing well, let me instruct you on how to continue doing what it is that you're doing, but to do it in a greater way. I want to give you some, I want to give you some instruction. I want to give you some guidance that's going to help you along and along and along and along. Okay, look, I, don't, I do not know where individually each of you are as far as your relationship to the Lord, your current obedience, and your spirit and attitude in service to the Lord. I don't know where you are. My guess is, on a Wednesday night, 
when you're here instead of anywhere else that you might be able to be. My guess is that at some level, each of you here have at least some interest in what it is that God wants for you. So that I think it's appropriate for us to take a moment and jump into the group along with the people at Colossae where Paul, Coach Paul, puts his arm around us and he says, let me instruct you on how to increase. Let, let me give guidance to you, a good church. Now, specifically, we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul says to them in Colossians chapter 2, beginning in verse number 6. So Colossians chapter 2, verse number 6, because it's not plausible for us to go through the entire letter to the church at Colossae, this, I think, encapsulates best what it is that the Apostle Paul is saying throughout the letter. He says this in verse number 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus Lord. Now stop just for a second. Remember, he's, his arm is around him, and he's saying, All right, come on, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. So, so, so listen to what I'm saying. This is going to help you. He says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. We learned about walking last night. Rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, beware. Hey, look out. Watch out. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Why? Well, it's in Christ, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I love verse 10. And ye are complete. You're made mature. You're brought to where you need to be. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. And we'll stop right there. Let me ask the Lord to help me just to be able to explain what Paul says and ask him also to help you as an individual who's a part of this church, or if you're a guest here tonight, that you would gain, that you'd understand what it is that God intends for you to receive from this instruction. Father, we come to you tonight humbly because we recognize that it is you and you alone who knows what is right and best for us. We also know that you love us dearly and that you would not have inscripturated this if you didn't inspire it. So now we come humbly to this passage and we want, we want everything from this that you want us to have, both an understanding as well as uh, application, how it, how it should play out in our lives individually, in my life, in my family's life, in my home, and in the lives of each of these who have gathered together tonight and those who have families that they're responsible for and their families, how it should look. And then, more specifically, for, for this church, for new life, that as a result of our seeing this instruction, that this church would together step forward, receiving this as word as from you. I pray that we would be encouraged and our faith would be built regarding what this passage tells us about your precious son. And I pray, dear God, that you would please teach us and show us anywhere where we've come short of walking this line up to this point. We love you. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given for us to meet together tonight. 
may this not be wasted in anyone's mind, in anyone's heart at all. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask these things. Amen. So Paul's instruction for increase, his guidance to this good church. What, what is it? Well, all we're going to do tonight is walk through this passage because I, there's no way for me to improve on what is written here. And honestly, even if I could come up with a uh, snappy outline, it's, it's here. It's right here. So, so let's, let's look at it. Look with, look with me at verse number six, and let's just walk through this. The Bible here says in verse six, as ye have therefore, again, okay, let me, I don't want to beat this to death. But if you will listen to this and heed it, hear it as it's intended to be, as instruction for you, then it changes, it changes the filter with which you hear it. In other words, this is one of those moments. I think I talked to you guys already about being on a team where you're telling everybody else to be quiet because coach is talking. This is one of those moments. Hey, stop thinking about other things. Coach is talking, okay? Um, so God, God wants us to get this. And he says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Okay, this verse divides itself into two parts. First part, just as. This is the prerequisite. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. And then he says, So walk ye in him. Now, the emphasis of this verse is this. You've received Jesus Christ. Now, walk in Christ. Similarly to what we looked at a couple of nights ago when we looked at the passage about put off, be renewed, and put on, that we want the heart of Christ, this is relational. That, that is, the emphasis of this is relational, that you know Jesus Christ. Hey, do, this is not an amen statement. I want you to think. Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you accepted Christ as Savior? Do you have a relationship with him by faith. You've accepted him for who he claims to be and you've trusted in what he has done for you to be enough to take care of your sins. So you have a relationship with God and with his son, Jesus Christ. Okay, so as you've received Christ, now, now walk in him. The emphasis is Christ, but it's interesting to me, very first word of the verse, the word as means in the same manner or in the same way. And it just brings a thought to my mind. And the thought is this. How is it that I received Jesus Christ as my Savior? Well, the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through. Okay, so that there's no other way to receive Christ Jesus except for by. Okay, um, again, I know that for many of you this will be flyover ground. You know this already, but let me just mention it quickly. The only way a person can receive Jesus Christ is by faith. Because what Christ claims about himself and what the Bible declares about the death of Christ and what it offers and the work of God and what it offers is not something that can be put under a microscope and examined. So that, uh, is there any way for me to take a drop of blood from the Lord Jesus Christ and look at the DNA and somehow see deity in it? Well, obviously not. But is Jesus Christ the Son of God? Okay, how do you know that? Well, the answer is you've received it by 
And there's no other way, there's no other way to receive it. Now, as I mentioned, I think on Sunday morning, our faith is not a blind faith in the sense that we just kind of chose it. Oh, I'll believe that. No, there is reason to why we can trust what the Bible has to say. But when it comes to Jesus Christ and specifically about his work on the cross and the fact that his blood is enough to pay for our sins, that is something that has to be received by that. There's no other way. There's no other way. You cannot see it. Well, somebody says, yes, but you can see a changed life because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is true. But there are also all kinds of programs of reformation where you can see somebody through self-will and choices make a change in their lives. The difference with Christ is that he renovates from the inside out. But you can't see that. It, it, Except for in the actions, you, you, can't, you can't view that. So that the work of Christ all must be received by faith. So here in Colossians 2, it's interesting that Paul, in giving this instruction and calling a huddle, hey, time out, let's talk for a second. And he says, if you want to continue going forward, new life, if you want to be as a church everything that you ought to be, look, just like you received Jesus Christ, which is by now walk in him by faith. And you might be sitting here thinking to yourself, Brother Tim, this is so basic as to really, we, we get it. We're supposed to, we sing about it. Living by faith. Yes, we, we, we know about this already. Okay, but here's the thing. Now look, here's the thing. Living by faith is fine and good to talk about. And it's even fine and good to do when it's within your comfort zone and level. But when living by faith grows teeth, that's, that's where trust in Christ gives divine enabling to do what it is that God wants you to do. Now, in case I lost you on the faith growing teeth or having teeth, let me back up just for a second, all right? Um, how many of you are by nature, and this isn't braggadocious, how many of you are by nature givers? That is, you love giving. So, so that if you have it, you love, you love to give it. Okay, great. If we can be friends. I'm just kidding. Um, some of us are. So that when the Bible talks to us and God says in his word, hey, give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom. And those who are naturally givers hear that, then they go, oh, hey, I, I already like to give. And so they give and they experience, ah, yes, I get to receive. And as they continue to give, then God continues to give to them and have other people give to them. And it's a wonderful thing. And living by faith, you're going, ah, oh, this is great. When it comes to giving, this is, ah, this is wonderful. This is wonderful. This is wonderful. But as soon Soon as living by faith involves my stepping out of my comfort zone, teeth, does the power of God diminish at all outside of my comfort zone? Peter, in the boat, Jesus walking on the water. John, I think it's the Lord. Peter, Lord, if that's you, bid me come to you on the water. And Peter's worst nightmare. <laughs> the Lord says, come on. And so Peter 
steps out of the boat. Okay, was that easy? Do you think that was outside of his comfort zone? Some of you are thinking getting in the boat would be outside of my comfort zone. There's no way I'm getting out of the boat as well. Okay, so here's the deal. If we believe that God is true and that Christ will always accomplish what he says he'll accomplish and that God will do what he says he will do, let's not come short of what it is that God has for us. You don't come short of what it is that God has for you because you are so familiar with the fact that we ought to live by faith but you're not willing to step out in obedience to his word or to his spirit who gives you direction regarding what it is that he wants you to do. Do you see, do you see how this can happen? Okay, for instance, um, the Lord Jesus tells us, look, as you're going, as you're living, share, share the gospel. Share with other people the good news about the Lord Jesus, about me. Be witnesses unto me. And I will be with you when you're doing it. But for some in this room, the thought of actually sharing the gospel with somebody is something where you're going, I'd rather step out of the boat. Okay, but aren't there Aren't there promises from Christ? Doesn't he say he'll be with us? Doesn't he give us command to, as we're going, do, do this. Be ready, be willing, open, open up and step out in faith. And sometimes, for many in this room, you've experienced it and you know it, that there have been times when the Holy Spirit of God has specifically Put someone on your heart and he's given you that holy nudge where he has said, you share the gospel with that person. And we shrink back. And we can't go forward if we're not willing to go forward in faith. You know, when one of the very sad passages that surround the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and his teaching and his miracles. When you read in Matthew and you read through it and you see all the things that the Lord Jesus Christ did, the miracles he performed, the lame that walked, the blind that could see, the deaf that could hear, the dumb that could speak, uh, uh, people dead raised to life. All of these things the Lord Jesus did and the things that he taught, the Sermon on the Mount and all of the passages surrounding his explanation of so many things that were misunderstood for thousands of years and had been taught wrong by the current, by the current religious leadership. So the Lord Jesus Christ taught and he did great things and then he goes home. And in his hometown with just as many sick and lame and deaf and blind people as everywhere else. He did almost nothing. Why? Because of their... They had become so familiar with Jesus Christ that they failed to trust 
and what they knew. The news had certainly gotten to them. They failed to trust in what was so obvious and right in front of them. Okay, look. In your life, obviously, there are things directly out of Scripture about things we're supposed to do. There's instruction about how to treat your wife, men, and ladies, how to respond to your husband. And there's instruction about raising family, all of these things that if we're going to go forward, then we're going to have to live by faith. There, there are all of these things. And then there are the specifics that the Holy Spirit, as you're continuing to walk after the Lord, where God is going to direct you to do things, and you're going to think to yourself, but I could not do that. And I'm telling you, please, just understand, listen to Coach Paul for a minute. Just like you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ for forever, now walk in Him. Live trusting Him for everything. Don't shrink back. Sometimes living by faith means I stop doing something he instructs me to stop doing. Sometimes it means I start. Sometimes it means I stay. Sometimes it means I go. That's in God's hands, whatever he wants. The point is, you can trust him. You can trust him, and we ought to. We ought to trust him completely to do everything that he says he will do. Now, just so that it gets said, in case there's anybody that has any doubt about this, the leading of the Holy Spirit in you will never disagree with what is written in the Scriptures. So that sometimes people say, well, I just felt a leading to whatever. But if it is against what the Bible has to say, then that's not faith, and that's not the Spirit. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God, He uses the wisdom of God, and He instructs. So, so live by faith. And this is what Paul is saying when he's giving instruction. He's giving instruction. He says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. For some of you, it just means putting some tracks in your car and being ready to give them. I'm telling you, just trust, trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Engage in conversation when he tells you to. Trust God. So as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. Live your life in Christ following, letting him be your guide. And then he says, how? How is this going to happen? How are you going to know the leading of the Lord? Verse 7, rooted and built up in him. Okay, class, who's him? All right. Now remember, if you don't answer, I start at the beginning, and we keep going till you get it. So, rooted and built up in Christ, and established in the faith. Help me. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Okay, as you have been taught, you've been taught the word, and you're abounding in this with thanksgiving. Let me just reiterate this one more time. That living by faith is not something that's intended to be a weight on your shoulders that's difficult for you to bear. It is true that sometimes faith grows teeth, and that can be uncomfortable. But the great thing about this is we are living in obedience to the God who is sovereign over all things, and Jesus Christ who can and will keep all of his promises so that the pressure is off of me, all I have to do is obey, and God takes care of everything. I don't have to live thinking it's my responsibility to be the one that adjusts the thinking of someone. Nope, that's in God's hands. I just do what God has told me to do. And you should just do what God tells you to do. What it reveals to you. Through his word, by his spirit, and the way it's going to happen is you get rooted and built up in him. How do you do that? Well, 
You're established, you're bounding, established in the faith, and that faith comes through the Scripture. So we have the written Word of God, the living Word, Jesus Christ, the written Word, and we are supposed to submerge ourselves, submerge ourselves into the Scriptures and allow what the Scriptures say to, to become a part of our, of our lives. Okay, can you look up here? I realize that tonight I am addressing some people who have been saved longer than I've been alive. I'm 27, and so some of you, okay, so I'm not 27, 29, uh, but I realize that tonight I'm addressing, addressing some, some people who have been saved for a number, for, for a long, you've been saved a long time. The temptation with this, and Pastor and I were talking about this a little bit before the service, and I, I was mentioning to him, this is where temptation comes to me. I grew up in a Christian home. I was saved when I was young. I've never wanted to be anything except for a preacher, except for like six months where I thought I wanted to play in the NFL, and then I realized how big those guys were. I was like, no thanks. Um, so so this, is, this, has been, this has been my, my life. The temptation is that I fall... Ah, that I get connected so much to the truth while disconnecting the truth from my life. I'm not doing well at explaining this. Let me see if I can do better. Um, because my family does music when we travel, it's not unusual for churches where we go um, to say, hey, we're looking for somebody to work with our music. Do you know anybody who um, could come and they could lead singing and work with choir. We'd love to have somebody come and they couldn't be full-time staff or maybe they could be part-time staff, someone who come to work with you and with music. Oh, we, we, we would love it. And I, I, I mean, I don't have a list of people that I, that I know, um, but I will say, well, do you mind if I just, just give you at least a piece of advice? If I think of anybody, I'll pass it on, but let me give you a piece of advice. And I will tell them, find somebody who loves God and loves people more than they love music. Because if you find somebody who's in love with music, but they don't love people and love God, then how can they, how can they minister? If, in other words, if they understand music and they can really make, they know how to put the choir in the right place and they know how to lift their hands and how to make you sing just the way you're supposed to, but they have no heart for the people, well, that's not ministry. That's not, that's not what this is about. And what I'm afraid is sometimes those of us who have been saved for years can go, I can explain to you justification and sanctification. And I know all about the truth of living by faith. And I can point to all of the miracles that Jesus Christ did and how people can live by faith. But we're not. Oh, our faith is in Christ for salvation. And as far as we have gone in our Christian life, we're comfortable with the, the living by faith where we are. But don't you think God would love us to take some more steps of faith? Not ones that we work up in our imagination, but the ones that he gives us direction for, sometimes through the prompting that he has to, to pastor, 
through his word, both through the spirit, where, where opportunities arise. Hey, step forward in faith. Don't shrink back. Trust God. What you say, but I'm not comfortable with it. It's God. What do you have to fear? Come on, Israel. Seriously, you've seen, you've seen the cloud and the fire? You've eaten angel food? Water came out from a rock? You're gonna, are you going to keep on doubting? The point is, step, step forward. Where God gives direction, and the way that that happens is by being rooted and built up in Him and allowing the words that we know, huh, allowing the God of the Word Defeat us and show us what it is we're supposed to do. So, um, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith. And then, real quickly, this, I mean, it's right here. Verse 8, he gives a warning. Because he doesn't want you to be yanked out of living by faith. Look at verse number 8. He says this, beware, watch out. In other words, hey, heads up, careful, 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 beware, lest any man spoil you through, and then he mentions philosophy. That's a way that people can be spoiled. Vain deceit, tradition of men. Real quickly, the word spoiled. You know, you know what it means? Um, how many of you are grandparents? May I see your hands, please, if you're grandparents? Okay, all right. So um, we talk about grandparents spoiling their children, or their grandchildren, right? Uh, what do we mean? Well, they give them everything that they want. Well, actually, the word spoiling doesn't mean to give. It means to take. So that even with, even with grandparents, um, spoiling is not giving, it's taking. Um, so a mom and a dad um, pour their, themselves into their children. Uh, four years old, and we're teaching our four-year-old, you don't, you don't jump on furniture. Furniture is made to sit on. You use things for what they're built for. Don't jump on the furniture. Sit on the furniture. And you can't have cookies until you eat your food. Dessert is for after supper. That's a horrible thing to teach. But it is something that gets taught by good parents. Don't eat dessert until after your, your meal. Hey, ah! You don't go play with other toys until your toys are picked up. You pick up your toys, and then you can go to something else. But pick up, clean up first, and then you can go play. And then we parents send them to our parents. And Grandpa says, I got a great idea. Let's take all the mattresses and all the cushions and pile them in the middle of the living room floor. And then we'll see how high we can jump on them. We'll even get on the back of the couch in order to do it. And halfway through doing that, when Grandpa's worn out and sitting on the side, Grandma comes in with cookies and says, hey, we're going to eat supper in an hour or so, but I thought you guys might need a little snack just to hold yourselves over here. Have a couple cookies. And then you get bored. Your kids get bored with playing with the cushions. And so um, Grandma says, hey, 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 you guys, just go play. Grandma will pick it up. Grandma will take care of it. You just go play. And everything, grandparents, everything good that we've been pouring into our children, in one day you rip it out of their brains and you replace it with wickedness and bad things like what you do. Okay, so spoiling means to take, <laughs> to take away. It means to remove, like think spoils of war. So here what Paul, here's what Coach is saying. Hey, come on, hey, listen to Coach. Watch out because this is a, this is a legitimate threat today, not just in first century, today. Watch out. Beware, lest any man spoil you, pull out from you. Pull out from you what? Faith. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about being in Christ. Pull out from you what is right, what is true, what is good. Beware, lest any man spoil you through 
philosophy, smart people that don't believe God, vain, deceit, empty, lies that sound good, that promise what they cannot give, after the rudiments of the world, the, the building blocks, the, the, the way the world thinks and operates, that has found its way into our hearts and our minds without us even realizing and recognizing it. We have bought into the world at the expense, listen, at the expense of living by faith and trusting that God will do what he says he will do. In other words, I cannot serve God in this capacity until I know that my physical needs are met first. And we reason with ourselves, it is just, it is justifiable that um, I need to make sure that all, of, all, all things are taken care of. And then if God will bless me and let me get all of this set up the way that I think it should be, then I can serve God in this capacity. Do you see how that's the world's, the rudiments of the world, that's the world's thinking, and it yanks out of us a life of trusting Christ, living in Christ, living by faith, where Christ said in his sermon, hey, food, clothes, after all these things do the Gentiles seek, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of this will be added to you. Okay, so is Christ telling the truth or isn't he? Is he able to take care of those needs? So this, again, this is not me saying to you, come up with something that you, you don't have to imagine what it is that God wants you to do. You just take some time to get in his word and listen to him and he'll give you instruction but then trust that he'll take care of everything so that you, that you can do it. And watch out, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, this is the way it works, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And then the exclamation point, the left hook, just in case anybody in the huddle's not listening. Paul says, For in him, for in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of, of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. In essence, what he's saying is this. Hey, keep your eyes focused on Christ. Don't forget who he is. He can do everything. He's in charge of it. He's in charge of everything. So, so, so trust him. So trust him. I think maybe that the verses 9 and 10 are connected directly to verse number 8 where the warning is given because in verse 8, Paul says, watch out lest any man spoil you. That is, somebody's going to have to instruct, somebody's going to, somebody is going to attempt to pull you from living by faith, which is, okay, hey, friends, we may already all be on the same page on this, but just in case not, please listen to me which is one of the reasons why who you allow to influence you. Ah, no, no. Who you allow to speak into your life, whether you mean for them to influence you or not. Who you allow to speak into your life is who instructs how you live. So if Christ gets this much of your day 
and Fox News gets this much of your day and social media gets this much of your day. Hey, you figure it out. Who are you going to be trusting in the way that you live? Well, whoever has the loudest voice in your life. And that's not to say, uh, uh, hey, pharisaical, you need to make sure, keep track of all the time you spend online and everything you watch, and just make sure you read the Bible more. Because if you read the Bible more, then you'll be fine. Don't miss the point. The point is, there's only one who died for you, and it wasn't Hollywood. There's only one who's in charge of principality and powers. And it's not the people who proclaim all of their goodness on social media. It is Christ and Christ alone. Stay in love. Step in faith. Beware lest your life be taken for spoil, lest you be pulled out of the way of faith, out of the way of, of truth. Because in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's worthy of it all. And we're complete in him. Okay, huddle's over. Now, will we go back to status quo of operation? Or, um, or are there some steps forward that we need to take in order for us to receive the guidance to this good church, the instruction for increase? As an individual, sir, ma'am, as a family, new life, as a church, which is, by the way, in case you didn't know, made up of individuals and families, let's be people who, as we've received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. How? Well, we get rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as we've been taught, abounding there with thanksgiving, always being aware, lest we're taken for spoil lest the truth is taken out and replaced with falsehood through philosophy, vain deceit, tradition of men, rudiments of the world. Because in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, and you're complete in him. Father, help us please to be fully convinced of this truth and may it impact our lives tonight. Tonight, may it impact our lives. Lord Jesus, will you please ah, stir in us. Your word says that it's of you both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And so um, we need a hungering and thirsting after you. May our desire be so great for you, not just to understand the truth about you, but for you and trusting you that everything else, everything else pales in comparison and that we would live by faith, trusting that you'll do everything you said you'll do, say you'll do, and uh, we, can, we can rest in that. So help, Lord, please. If there are specific instructions that you want to give to some of these people tonight, if right now you're speaking into them by your spirit, I ask that you'd speak loudly. Our ears are sometimes deaf to you. Uh, we're spiritually deaf. I, I pray that you'd please speak loudly into the heart and lives and the ears of the people who have gathered together tonight and help us to know what it is you'd have us to do. And tomorrow, Lord, Nudge, please, give us the instruction and help us to rest and trust in you just as we are for our salvation. Help us to rest and trust in you continuously 
Help us to live by um, faith, trusting that you will do everything you say you'll do. I ask this, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ.